They are the Chai Kids. Your host today is Hunter. Good afternoon and welcome to the Chai Kids show for Kids Bar Kids. Th- thank you so much for tuning on 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Hunter and I'm 10 years old and I will be hosting for you today. Coming up on Chai Kids today, I will be interviewing Sh- Shona Kola. She is the head of English at King David Lingsfield Primary and we will be talking about reading and how fun the English language is. Also on the show, I have a riddle to challenge your mind, a tongue twister to challenge your tongue, and at the end of the show, listen out for Montgomery Jones in the, in the search for the lost world of fantasy stories and audiobooks. They are really interesting and super amazing. You can also get the full stories on Mr. Protection's YouTube channel on YouTube or on the website www.mrproductions.com. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this kid's show. Here are the details if you have any questions for my guest or if you want to say hi to your friends and family. The SMS number is 34519 and is charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send me a telegram on 061 and please don't forget to sign your name. You can also call us on 010-140-3020. I repeat, 010-140-3020. Get ready for a jam-packed show on Chai Kids today. Chai Kids. For kids, by kids. They are the Chai Kids. Your host today is Hunter. This is Chai Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Hunter and I'm your host for today. Before we start the interview with Shona Kola, she is the head of, of English at King David Linksfield Primary, today's riddle is what can what has to be broken before you can use it? I repeat, what has to be broken before you can use it? If you know the answer, please send me an SMS with the answer on 34519 or 061-895-1019. I have Shona Kola with me in the studio today. If you have any questions for her, for her, you can send them on o one on three four five one nine or Telegram to o six one eight nine five one o one nine. Good afternoon, Shona. Hello, Hunter. Thanks for having me on the show. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. What does a head of English do? So, um, in my role as head of English at King David Linksfield Primary. I am, I continue to be an English teacher, so I teach a number of English classes um, across two grades, grade seven and grade six, and then I'm involved with all the other grades, with, with the teachers in all the other grades in preparing uh, what they're going to be teaching in English. Did you have to be an English teacher before you became a head of English? I was an English teacher for a number of years before becoming the head of English. What qualification do you need to be an English teacher? Well, ordinarily what you would would probably do is you would get either a Bachelor of Education degree, okay, and you would specialize in English as your subject. Otherwise, you can get a degree in English and after that get a teaching qualification. In fact, I took a very different route to becoming an English teacher. So I got a degree in psychology and sociology. Then I did an honours degree in sociology, a subject that I really loved. And following that, I went into um, I, I went to work for a magazine publishing company where I, 
I worked for for a long time, more than 10 years, um, and I was a researcher, a writer, and an editor um, at that company. I later went to work at Fitz University where one of my responsibilities was to work with the library. And it was only after working probably for about 15 years that it occurred to me that, that the best place for me was actually in a school. And so at that point, by, by that time, I'd completed a master's degree as well. And then I decided to become a teacher. So I went back to university and got my teaching qualification. What made you choose this career path? Um, it's interesting. So as I said, my original degree was psychology and sociology. And of those subjects, sociology was the one I loved the most. And sociology is all about where people fit within society. And one of the one of the areas of sociology that I was particularly interested in was the sociology of education. So how do schools shape society? Um that was that was my original love looking at how how the world how different areas of of life shape us and shape us as a society when i began working and i was working in the field of writing and editing i developed such a love for writing and editing and a pre-existing joy um that i took in words just grew and eventually that joy turned itself into to being an English teacher. Why? Because I wanted to share that joy as much as I could. How long did it take you, f- you to qualify? So I took a very long time because I started out doing something else and then moved into, into teaching much later on. So altogether, my years in university, I spent seven years in university, but that's not the usual length of time it takes to qualify as a teacher. Ordinarily, it takes four years to qualify as a teacher. Do English teachers read all day, and do they know all the English words? Hunt, I'd love to say that I read all day, but unfortunately, unfortunately, there are many other things that I need to get done. But I do read every day. I cannot go to bed at night without having my my daily dose of reading. And and anyone who my friend, if you asked any of my friends or my family, they know it's my absolute favorite thing to do. I read at every possible opportunity. If I go to do my shopping at Pick and Pay and I'm standing in a really long queue, I'll whip out my book. I always have a book in my bag. I'll whip out my book and standing in the queue becomes much less boring when I've got a book to read. Do I know all the words in the English language? Very sadly not, but I'm always learning new ones and I love to learn new words. Why is reading every day important? Sure. Um... As a reader and as an English teacher, I could speak about this for a really long time. There are many researched and documented reasons why why reading is important. So there are obvious um, obvious educational benefits. It grows your vocabulary. Um, it improves your your comprehension skills. It helps you to think critically. It improves your memory. So all of those are, are well researched and without a doubt huge educational benefits of reading. But I think the benefits of reading extend far beyond education. 
So, so some of the benefits outside of, of those educational benefits include, for example, the fact that reading reduces stress. Um, and we know that we're living in times when, when lots of people are stressed, right, from kids all the way through to, to adults. So anything that, that can relieve stress um, ha- is enormously positive. Um, in fact, reading has also been shown to... Um, to help people who can't sleep. And that's not because the books bore them so much they fall asleep. In fact, it's because reading helps you slow down. It helps you regulate your breathing. It helps you slow down the thoughts that keep running through your mind and stopping you from sleeping. And once you can slow those thoughts, once you can regulate your breathing, reading becomes sleeping becomes much easier. There are also other benefits to reading, such as they help you to be more empathetic. Through reading about characters that aren't necessarily like us, it helps us to start to understand other people in the world. And once we start to understand other people, we can, we can feel empathy and compassion towards them. Are there different kinds of teaching styles? They definitely are. I mean, if you think of yourself um, and you think of the kids in your class, um, certainly not everybody learns the same way. And if not everybody learns the same way, then it is necessary for us as teachers to not all teach the same way. So you get learners who are, we call them auditory learners, and they're, they're the ones who learn from, from listening. So I can stand there and I can tell you something and, and you learn it. Um, and that's their learning style. But not everybody learns that way. So some people need to actually be more physically engaged while they're reading. They actually need to use their bodies in what in what they're learning in order for that to, to stick in their minds. Um, some some learners learn better from, from reading um, than from listening. So there are many, many different styles in which um, in which we have to teach in order to reach um, the children who have many different styles of learning. Which one is better, reading online or reading actual paper books? Okay, so I will confess that I'm a big-time Kindle reader, um, and I do most of my fiction reading on Kindle. I find it quite difficult, however, to read on a computer screen. So although Kindle is technology, it's quite different. It has very much the feel of still reading a book. I struggle to read on screen, and if I I need to read something um, on my computer, I prefer to print it out than to read it on the screen. That being said, while I said I do my fiction reading on a Kindle, I tend to do non-fiction reading in actual hard, hard copy books. Is there another name for an English teacher? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Book lover, word lover, children lover. All of those things would be other names for English teachers, I think. What type of books do you like to read? I'm going to reveal now on radio my dirty little secret, which is that I love reading detective stories, murder mystery kind of stories. And that, that <laughs> I say it's my dirty little secret because I've, I've got so stuck in reading those kinds of books. But the, the reason I enjoy them is when you find a good writer who creates good characters, that's what catches you uh, when you're reading a book. And I've come across a number of authors in this genre who do exactly that. They create great characters. But I don't only read in that genre. Um, I love to read historical fiction. Um, I love to read real-life drama. I love reading non-fiction. So I always have one fiction and one non-fiction on the go at the same time. Um, 
My non-fiction, I tend to enjoy um, biographies and autobiographies. I love to learn about other people, and that's just one of the many joys that come from, from reading. Do you have to be a good English speaker to be an English teacher? I think it is really necessary to be a good English speaker. It's hard to to be a good teacher um, if you're not proficient at what you're teaching. So to be a good English teacher, you would need to have a very good vocabulary. You'd need to have very strong comprehension skills. All the skills you're trying to to help the children to develop, um, you need to have those already yourself. If you had to learn two other languages in the world, what would they be? Oh, gosh. I love the question, but it's really quite hard to answer. I would love to speak other languages and I would love to speak other languages that I could use that would be useful so I would definitely like to learn an African language um, I am very committed to South Africa I love South Africa I love living here my future is in South Africa so I think it would be really important for me to become proficient in another African language and then probably I'd like to learn a, a European language I did French at school um, and it was it was really fun learning it so perhaps I'd like to further pursue that that is definitely very interesting on that note let's take a quick song break and we will be back soon Hi Kids, for kids, by kids. They are the Hi Kids. Your host today is Hunter. This is Hi Kids, for kids, by kids. My name is Hunter and you are still listening to the Hi Kids show on 101.9 Hi FM. Before we carry on with our interview with Shona Kola, she is head of English at, at King David Linksfield Primary. Our tongue twister for today is Tom through Tim three thumbtacks. I repeat, Tom through Tim three t- thumbtacks. A bit later, you can call on 010-140-3020 to see if you can say it faster than me. I have Shona Kola in the studio with me. If you have any questions for her, you can send them an SMS to 34519 or telegram to 0618951019, or call 0101403020. Now let us carry on with our questions. Is it hard being the English head? It's not hard in terms of the work that I have to do, but there is an enormous responsibility in it, and I don't want to take that responsibility lightly. Because I love English, because I love teaching, because I love the people that I work with, it's not difficult. But I do feel the need to be sure that I'm giving my very best at all times and that I'm providing the assistance and the guidance that can can help us have fantastic English teaching in our school. What is the best part of your job? (laughs) I love my job. I really do. And I I would say I probably like most aspects of my job. Um, But I would say it's quite a hard question to answer. I'm not going to limit it to one best thing. There's there's two aspects to it. So the one aspect is I get to, to play with the English language. I get to enjoy my words. I get to share words. I get to help others enjoy words hopefully and and use words in the best possible way so so the one aspect then is that i i get to use a language that i really love the 
other best thing about my job though is that I get to work with children. Um, it is an absolute bright point in my life that I get to spend every day with bright, creative, exciting young people. Are libraries a good place for people to study in? So if you mean are libraries a good place for people to go to prepare for tests, that kind of studying, I would say definitely because they're quiet, um, you've got access to extra information um, if you need it while, you, while you're preparing for a test. So in terms of that, I'd say they are a good place to study. But there's so much more than good places to study. So studying is just if we, we're going to talk in terms of preparing for a test. But more than good places to study, there are good places to learn. And learning is different to studying. Is there a specific work co dress code for for working in a school? So there are, um, and different schools have different uh, different requirements of their teachers. So, for example, some schools allow teachers to wear, wear jeans, other schools don't. Some schools require their female teachers to wear dresses, other schools don't. Um, different schools have different um, modesty requirements. Um, Generally, I'd say, and across schools, um, there is certainly a need to be professional um, and not dress inappropriately. So it would probably be less appropriate for a teacher, for example, to wear a sleeveless top, like rather wear a top that has sleeves, a little bit more modest. The, the main thing, though, is, is to, to be professional. A lot of schools have media centers. Are they the same as libraries? Oh, that's a wonderful thing to talk about. So I say that because, as you know, at King David Linksfield Primary, we have just built the most magnificent media center. We're not calling it a library because it's so much more than that. So at King David, we've always had a real love for reading, and we've always had a, a goal of helping our students love reading too. And for many, many, many years, we did that through having a fantastic library. And our new media center hasn't lost that library. Rather, it's incorporated the library into something so much bigger. We continue to have a, an outstanding collection of books, and we are adding to that all the time. Hard copy physical books, um, monthly new books are flooding into our library so that, that the children have access to, to, to the absolute best possible literature. Um, and, of course, alongside that, we have all the classics. So, so all the books written from years ago, but that are what I would call essential reading. So that's the traditional library component, but in a media center, you bring in so much more. So part of it is about um, introducing technology, okay, technology that works alongside the books. And and we've done that in our media center by, by including things like their workstations um, for children who need to work on computers. We've got an absolutely massive screen where, where children can sit around it with their teacher and learn together. Um, by using whatever resource is being presented on the screen. We've got touch screens, got a beautiful auditorium, and, and we're using all these things together to, to create a holistic learning experience. In the auditorium, for example, there, there is access to technology, um, but it's also a beautiful space for us to have guest speakers so we can invite um, authors to come and speak about, about their, their new books. We can invite a whole range of speakers to come and communicate with the children. In the library itself, um, 
we, we've got space, we've spread it out, it's very, um, it's very spacious and, and there's an opportunity in this media center for, for children to learn, um, in various, various styles as we spoke about earlier um, we're hoping that the space will enable us to cater to every child's learning style so the media center allows us to create individualized teaching um, teaching each specific child in the way that they need to be taught we've got we've got reading pods in the library for those in the media center for those students who who like to work quietly and perhaps work work on their own although the pods have space for up to four children to be in the same in the same pod we've got space just open floor space where we can use other other forms of technology so we can use sphero balls for example um, we've got virtual reality goggles available available um, for, for the teachers to, to, to use those, for the children to use those. Um, we've got space for children to move around and learn in their particular way. How have libraries or media centres changed over the years? So, kind of like I was discussing um, a moment ago, um, historically um, media centres were basically libraries and as we've moved into the 21st century, we've recognized that there's a need for so much more than just shelves and shelves and shelves of books. Um, we've recognized a need for spaces where we can work on 21st century skills, skills that young people are going to need as they progress through this century. century. So in the past, um, teaching and libraries were very much about imparting knowledge, giving knowledge to, to children. And we would give you facts and you would learn the facts. And libraries facilitated that by having books that were full of facts. Um, now we know that that's not the best way for, for kids to learn. Okay, we all know that if you want a fact, you can quickly pick up your phone and you can Google it and there's, there's your fact. So that's not what teaching is about anymore. Um, teaching is now about these 21st century skills. So, for example, collaboration. Can you work with other people? Okay, can you work in a team if necessary? Because so much of, of, of work in, in this century is about working as part of a team. So can you collaborate? Can you cooperate? Or are you somebody who needs everything to go your way? All right, are you capable of negotiating with your team in order to arrive at the best solution? Okay, and so instead of us as teachers sitting there and imparting facts, we now want children to engage in creating their own knowledge. And how do you create your own knowledge? You take some existing information and you build on it. So you take the existing piece of information, you talk about it with a group of other people, which give you new ideas, enables you to be creative. Then you go and do some research in some books. You go and use, uh, look up some things on iPad. Um, you, you use a tool such as Minecraft to build something. It's all about knowledge creation creation, knowledge generation. And and I personally believe that that children are born born as geniuses and our role as teachers has changed. We're not giving you the knowledge, we're helping you uncover the knowledge you already have and helping to to demonstrate your genius to everybody else. Do you have any other hobbies except reading? <laughs> I, I I actually don't. <laughs> um my like I said, any every spare moment um, 
it is spent reading if I can. I have fantastic friends, so I love to spend time with them. I have a beautiful family and three young kids, so obviously that takes up a lot of time um, as well. I have an extended family, which I'm very blessed to have. So I love to spend time with the people that are important to me, but if I have if I have time on my own, I'm going to choose reading every time. Have children's books changed over the years? I think that they really have. And like I mentioned earlier, there are some classics, some some books that have been around even for for a hundred years or more that that I think are still necessary to be read because they have great literary value. But what we're seeing now in, in current contemporary children's books is that they they tending to be very relevant to children. Um, and there are some truly amazing children's authors out there that are bringing out um, bringing out fantastic works, work that that appeals, work that feels relevant, and and it's been lovely to see how well children respond to this great new literature. Are there only books in the library? Um, in a traditional library, yes, but but as we've been discussing. Um, Libraries can't can't stay traditional. Libraries need to move with the times. And so in in what we call now media centers rather than libraries, um they they're not only books, there's there's so much more. If you chose another kind of career, what would it have been? So as you know, I started out not as a teacher but as a researcher, writer and editor. And I can honestly say I loved doing that. I really, really loved it. And when I stopped doing that, it wasn't because because I'd grown tired of it or I didn't enjoy it. I stopped doing that because I recognized um, the great joy that could be had in working in a learning environment. Um, so if I had to, if I had to, you know what? I won't have another career. I found, <laughs> I found the place that I really, really want to be. Who has inspired you in your life? Wow. So many people. So I would start off by acknowledging the actual people in my life. Um, my parents, my grandparents, and and um, of the people in my life, the people that I know personally, I would say probably my greatest inspiration. Um, no, there's, there's two. Um, the one is my husband, um, who is... A magnificent man who is wise, who is gentle, who is generous, and he inspires to me to be to be a better person. Um, the other personal inspiration in my life would would be my children, um, and and that would be my children at home, but also my children at school. I always call my children at school; they're also my children, and I would say they inspire me enormously. Um, one of the things I love about children, they're open, they're honest, they're full of creativity. And to me, that's such an inspiration. I wish and I aspire to to emulate that. I, I aspire to being that open, that honest, that creative. What would you like to be known for? I would like to be known for having loved every child that came through my classroom and having given my very best to every child that comes through my class. I've learned a lot about English and and books today. On that note, let's take a quick song break and after the song I'll count how many times you can say the tongue twister in 10 seconds. You can call now on 010-140-3020. Hi kids. 
For kids, by kids. They are the high kids. Your host today is Hunter. It's a song from Oliver and Company. This is high kids for kids by kids. My name is Hunter and I'm ten years old. Are you ready for the tongue twister? This is how it works. You can call us on 010-140-3020 and I'll count how many times you can say the tongue twister in 10 seconds. Are you ready? I mean, I will start. Are you ready? 3, 2, 1. Tom threw Tim three thumbtacks. Tom threw Tim three tum, thumbtacks. Tom threw Tim three thumbtacks. Tom threw Tim three tum, thumbtacks. Tom threw Tim three thumbtacks. I did it five times. Do we have any callers for the tongue twister? If not, let's do it with Shona. Are you ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one. Tom three Tim three Tom thumbtacks. Tom three Tim three thumbtacks. Tom three Tim three thumbtacks. Tom Tom three Tim three Tom thumbtacks. <laughs> Good job. You did it four times. Now let on let on that note, let's go for a quick song break. Hi kids, four kids by kids. They are the high kids. Your host today is Hunter. It was what has to be broken before you can use it. Do you have any callers for the riddle? If not, then I'll let you know what the answer is. Drum rolls, please. An egg. Well done to everyone who tried. And thank you for playing. This has been Rockets for Kids Bar Kids. My name is Hunter and I would like to say thank you to my guest Shona Kola for coming on Rockets. To my producer Senna and Vissi for pushing the big red button. Remember to show, listen and listen out for Montgomery Jones and the search for the lost world of fantasy stories and audiobooks right after the show. You can also get the full stories on the Mr. Productions YouTube channel on YouTube or on the website www.mrproductions.com. Join us tomorrow for another Kha Kids show only on 101.9 Kha FM. Bye, kids.